You know, I'm, I'm glad I ran into you because I'm having this thing where if I stick my finger in my eye, it like really hurts. Yeah, I mean, that's a classic case of um, contact stupiditis. Hello, and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we watch a romantic comedy and tell you why the person who had to choose between two love interests fucked up so bad and really needed to pick the other option. Often another girl we argue for, as is the case for this week. I am Jennifer. I'm Samantha. And I'm Sadie. And this week we are joined by a very special guest. All of our guests are very special. This one is no exception. Deanne Smith, they are a comedian. You can watch their work on Netflix, Comedians of the World, under Canada English, right? There's Canada French and then Canada (laughs) (laughs) English. It's the most drop-down menus I've ever encountered on Netflix, but the experience is worth it. They are very funny, and on December 17th, they are hosting another iteration of their Zoom show, Deanne Smith and Acquaintances, and by now I've said their name many times. Deanne Smith, hello. Thank you for being Hi, here. Hi, it's me. Yay. It's me, Deanne Smith. Um, thanks for having <laughs> me, guys. I, I am so psyched to do this. I truly cannot wait to get into it. Ah. Well, let's cut the suspense. And Jen, what are we doing? Well, I just did a grinch smile upon hearing Deanne's introduction of themselves. And today we are talking about Happiest Season. Hell the- yeah. Ah. <laughs> the queer Christmas movie of the moment. <clears throat> okay. So this movie opens up with this actually super adorable little montage of paintings that show the development of the relationship between Abby, who is played by bleach haired, slight undercut Kristen Stewart with mega roots like in her hottest state. And Harper, who, Sadie, correct me if I'm wrong, is that girl from the movie with Daniel Radcliffe and the Disgusting Sandwich who hooked up with Adam Driver in that, right? Yes. And she looks more queer in that movie, but we'll get into it. What was that called? (laughs) What if? (laughs) Yes, I agree. Yeah, a jewel of the Canadian film industry. What if? Yes. Well, her. Maybe not what if. Okay. So anyway, Abby and Harper met on December 14th, went on a date on December 18th, and (laughs) smooched and perhaps officially got together on New Year's Eve. Then they went on a series of super cute dates throughout the year and moved in together in late September. Now... It is December 18th of the following year, and Harper is immediately established to be the type of person who absolutely cannot chill unless the person she is with visibly and or verbally evinces super over-the-top enthusiasm for the activity at hand constantly. In attempt to convince her loving and totally satisfied by her own admission girlfriend to smile harder about Christmas as a concept in spite of said girlfriend's own trauma surrounding the holiday, Harper drags Abby into trespassing on a random stranger's steep roof, which Abby literally falls off of. And in the temporary high of almost witnessing Kristen Stewart's death, Harper (laughs) invites Abby to abandon her pet sitting responsibilities and accompany her home to Harper's family Christmas, where Abby will surely learn to make manic eyeballs about the holiday to rival Harper's own. But then the next morning, in the bright light of regret, Harper tries to subtly nag excited Abby into reneging on the deal. Instead, Abby chooses to leave the pets in the obviously incompetent hands of Dan Levy, 
who weirdly likes to surveil people via apps in a way that could potentially lead to a stalking charge, but it is Dan Levy, so it comes off as charming. Then they talk some more to explicate to us that Kristen Stewart wants to propose to Harper, but now that the opportunity has arisen, wants to obtain Harper's father's blessing first because ludicrous misogynist symbolic traditions are also important to queer people who've had to grow up with them, and that truly <laughs> is fine. I mean, I mean that part. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> However, it turns out that Harper actually may be kind of a sociopath because she does not reveal to Abby until they have driven way too far out of town to conveniently turn back that she actually told Abby an elaborate lie about coming out to her parents and them even knowing about Abby's existence at all. And now she wants Abby to pretend to be her straight roommate, who Harper's awful conservative-coded parents will continually refer to as an orphan to and around and as a descriptor, like everything about her throughout her stay once they meet her. So, total nightmare basement bedroom with no lock scenario ensues. Parents blatantly try to set Harper up with old high school boyfriend. Harper falls into terrifying family patterns and behaves in strange and dismissive ways to Abby. The only bright spot for us at this point as viewers is the introduction of Harper's ex-girlfriend, Riley, as Aubrey Plaza in a suit. I will also say yay. (laughs) Yes. It It was just a yay moment for us all. Let's just take a moment of yay. For Aubrey Plaza in a suit. It's a quadruple yay from us. That's a a review at this point. Shenanigans ensue. Harper's younger sister Jane is cool, but the family all act like she has leprosy because she is bubbly and sometimes likes to wear some flair. Harper's older sister Sloane is obviously locked in an uncomfortable state of permanent Kegel. And when Harper is around her, (laughs) they both launch into competitive hyperaction. Even though Sloane has ruined her own reputation with her own parents by getting married, having children, and entrepreneuring a goop-approved gift basket business. And we shall discuss the weird racial overtones hovering around all of this later in the episode. Sloane's twins further ostracize Abby when they frame her for shoplifting. And then Harper is like, bye, babe. I'm going to go do shots with my ex-boyfriend all night, but also ruin your connection with sympathetic hot, hot Riley at the queer bar at the same time. Bye. And everything sucks. So Abby is actually pretty psyched to see Dan Levy when he turns her to pick up for, pick her up from this horror show she cannot afford to Uber out of after he has murdered and unsuccessfully tried to replace some poor innocent's pet fish. So at this point, Abby's going to bounce, but Harper is now like, stay. And then Harper finds Sloane's, oh, wait, first Sloane sees that part and is like, I'm going to rat you out to the family for being gay. But then Harper finds Sloane's husband tonguing down a hottie in the closet. And then the sisters' issues blow up dramatically in front of the packed holiday party. And then Harper cruelly denies Abby in the exact way that Peter did Jesus, but probably way worse. (laughs) Oh my God. On on par with the Bible story in terms of <laughs> its importance and its drama, for sure. Exactly. Oh my god. So then both of the older doofuses of these sisters come out with their problems, which directly equate being gay to undergoing heterosexual divorce, or just then the younger sister hops in with being kind of weird and liking to write bad fantasy. But they're doing this, still manages to indict the parents' absolutely abysmal parenting across the board to the point 
that it shames the dad. Isn't that actor gay IRL? Anyway, we'll talk about that too. Yes. He's really hot. Yes. Anyway, then he decides to not actively try to closet his daughter on the demand of an asshole city councilwoman in recompense for her endorsement. Then Harper chases Abby down using Dan Levy's tracking technology and delivers honestly the exact bad monologue of a cheating husband who will definitely do so again in apology (laughs) but dan levy winks at us that it's all okay because coming out and again truly i am deathly earnestly serious and not making fun of this point sucks then we flash forward a year and everyone's dreams have come true and goddess bless us everyone Yes, the dad is the mayor. Jane is a best-selling fantasy author. They're all marching in pride parades, and even Riley gets booed up with what? Wh- who looks like Clea Duvall, the writer director of the movie? Wow! In an end credits Instagram photo, self insert, which kind of melts your brain to think that Riley, a character in the movie, ends up with the writer director of the movie canonically. I. Watched the movie twice and I can't believe I missed that. I just didn't make it that far in the Instagram end credits. I've been paying a lot of attention on my rewatch to the the paintings oh and to the, yes. the end credit Instagram ones. I got I got off board with the Instagram because I actually looked up the account. It's supposed to be uh, Tipper, whatever her name, like the mom. So I was like, did they make a real Instagram account for her? And do they have all these pictures up there? And they don't. It's like somebody else what? made a kind of fan account. Um, yeah. So then, that, then I stopped watching. Um, anyway. Oh, missed opportunity for them to do some viral marketing. Totally. Right? They give because you know immediately some teen is going to make an account with that exact name if you have not already already claimed it for yourself. So. Yeah, and they did. I think they have like three hundred followers, but it's just it's just stills from the movie. It's it's none of that good stuff in the closing credits. Yeah, mm. lucky that it's a fan and not someone who's posting egregiously inappropriate <laughs> stuff to everyone going to look for it. But Deanne. What did you make of this movie? Let's let's all we all have a lot of feelings like the girl in Mean Girls. So let's yeah. let's hash them out. I mean, I I'm kind of assuming that many of us therapized queers saw this in the same way, which is that Harper is just uh, full of red flags. I mean, literally f- every scene there's a problem with Harper. Um, So it's just so easy to argue that Abby definitely should have been with the much cooler, much kinder, kind until the very end. We'll get into all the details, I'm sure. Much kinder, much cooler Riley. Um, And I imagine you're all arguing for that. So I'm also I'm also willing to argue that Abby should be with Jane. (gasps) Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Deanne, that's what I was gonna say too. <laughs> okay, yes. good. Let's get into it. Um, do you think you think Jane? I mean, Jane to me, she she calls herself an ally, uh, but she seems open. You know, I, Jane doesn't Jane doesn't seem like she's like a hundred percent hardcore heterosexual. Yeah, J- Jane calling herself an ally feels like a like a stepping stone kind of moment to a greater self actualization. Mm-hmm. And no one who's spending that much time alone constructing yeah. an elaborate fantasy world yes. is one hundred percent straight. I can. That's what, I, that. that's what I was about to say. Like anyone that goes that deep with the Thorfians, like is definitely <laughs> open to, you know, various kinds of 
I think, sexual and romantic <laughs> iterations. Oh, yeah. Okay. So a common point that I feel like I haven't brought up in a little while in this podcast, but I definitely am ready to right now is how old are these people supposed to be? Oh, yes. That's a really good question. I think maybe like late 20s. I think late 20s too. I did some yeah, I did some mental math on my third rewatch. And <laughs> oh, um, Abby says that she had had a Christmas in 10 years and her parents died when she was 19. So I'm assuming around 29 uh-huh. is Abby's age. Mm-hmm. That's the extent of my math abilities. I wish they had given us an even more specific reference point. Like my parents died right after we went to see the movie Blank in theaters. You know? <laughs> in theaters August clear. 8th, 1998. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like these people, I don't know, it's, it's strange uh, credulity. Sorry, I just did a quick Google um, right after they went to see Grown Ups in the theaters in 2010. <laughs> In the summer of 2010. Oh, damn. That was their last movie. Oh. Oh, my heart hurts worse for Abby. Yeah. That was the last movie she ever saw with her dead parents. The fact that I thought that 1998 was 10 years ago. <laughs> was- I'm I know. Anyway, anyway. Oh, Sadie, you were like barely more than a year I know. old in I'm 1998. Yeah. Oh, but- mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Deanne. We're always busting on Sadie for being incredibly young and apologetic. Yeah, you, you fucking fetus. Age. No, no, I'll get on board. <laughs> no, what are you, some kind of a zygote? Slander me. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> so on Twitter, I saw someone describe this movie as lesbian get out, and I could not get that out of my head mm. for a couple of reasons. One, Mackenzie Davis bears a striking <gasps> physical resemblance to Allison Williams. <laughs> To the point where I was like, is this Allison Williams? And had to Google it. And two, like Deanne said, everything Harper does feels borderline sociopathic. And this is where I like, I want to be sensitive because like, there's been a lot of discourse around this movie. And I want to acknowledge that, yes, coming out is hard. Yes, coming out can be still hard in 2020. Yes, you can have Republican parents that you want to hide your true self from even well into your life in this, the year of our Lord 2020. But for someone who seems to have had such a good prior relationship with Abby, she should have handled this so much more sensitively and so much differently. Because Abby, yeah, it just felt like a slowly unraveling train wreck that I could not tear my eyes away from. She's gaslighting Queen, and we can break it down scene by scene. I'm sure we will. We've all seen this movie two to three times. Um, But also, can we talk a little bit, and I haven't seen Mackenzie Davis in anything else except San Junipero. You guys remember San Junipero from Black Mirror? Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of the sweet, the sweetest, most hopeful, and uh, gayest Black Mirror. Um, th- I felt like in some ways Harper, she was kind of the same character. Like, but where in San Junipero it made sense that she's kind of this like doe-eyed, somewhat newly born into the world person. Um, that made sense for her character there, but here I could not. I just couldn't understand her choices as an actress, or maybe this is just what she's like. But she just seemed way too kind of naive and fresh for it being 2020 and someone in their late 20s. Is anybody with me on this? No, Abby was 
convincingly tired in a very 2020 way. And then Harper felt like she was in a different universe. Like for me, the whiplash moment of this movie was like, Abby and Riley are in the gay bar and they're kind of half-heartedly singing along to the Santa song, making fun of it a little bit, but also having a good time. And then we go straight literally to a bar called Fratties where Harper is being like shots, shots, (laughs) eyes, eyes, eyes. And it's like, oh my God, this this tonal whiplash is going to kill me. And also the bangs. Now listen. We all make choices about our bodies. I, I mean, are they not just universally bad? Yeah. I re- they they had to like okay, because look, I just looked up Mackenzie Davis because I am the lone one of us who has not seen this Black Mirror episode. Ooh, and I'm wondering oh, okay. I'm gonna look it up on y'all's recommendation. But and I'm like, okay, what else is Mackenzie Davis in besides being the, you know, girl who was all over Adam Driver in that movie we watched? She is that Terminator. Are you kidding me? Like queer iconography in the fucking like that movie, that was terrible in the Terminator Dark Fate movie, the trailer. Well, like you can just watch the trailer and feel feelings. She's so much gayer in that trailer than she is in this entire movie of Happiest Season. (laughs) And that is like wow! I'm I'm dazzled that this is the same person. Does she does she play a robot in Terminator? Like, is she the Terminator? Um, yeah, yes. yeah. She's she's the super soldier Terminator. Yeah, that would make sense to me. She there is something otherworldly, and I'm I don't even know if it's a good thing <laughs> about. But there's something very not of this earth about her and her acting. So I kind of want to see that, even if it's a terrible movie. Oh God, uh, Deanne, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, like they were kind of playing and fighting against her natural otherworldliness in this movie and I don't think that it really did them any favors it makes her feel like really weird (laughs) yeah she's really weird (laughs) maybe she is a terminator (laughs) like this early into the conspiracy theory (laughs) this terminator of a woman like fucking caring about what her parents think is unbelievable to an absolute point where it felt like she was really trying to assassinate Kristen Stewart bringing her home to this like I really felt I was like oh my god she kidnapped her under false pretenses was my initial reaction and again like Samantha said recognizing that coming out is very, very, you know, like there's a lot to be said there. But when we're like in our 30s queers watching it and like seeing somebody drive somebody almost to the point and then pulling over and being like, guess what? You have to be straight for five days. Like it's a very Terminator-ish sort of sounding action. (laughs) I I love, I love that idea. And I like, I could totally believe that this character, you know, didn't know how to come out to her parents and was closeted. That makes sense to me because this character to me, like I said, seems so alien. Like I also believed, you know, she'd never done shots before or worn a dress or had human hair. Like there's so much... She just plays it in such an odd way. And like the quote chemistry between these characters, forget oh, about it. There's right. nothing there. Every time every time they went to kiss, it's like Harper would like lay her palm on Abby's cheek and be like, I love you. And it just, <laughs> it felt so familial and completely devoid of romance or sexual chemistry. I can't be alone in this. Back me up oh, here. 
Deanne, I am so glad you brought this up because I was like, yeah, Samantha and I were like texting about this. Like, oh my, Samantha called it anti-chemistry between the two of them. <laughs> yes. And yes. yes. Yeah. Like, she's like, this is how humans act now, right? Exactly. Like, on cheek, lip to lip. <laughs> no That's offense, exactly Mackenzie Davis. It. We find you very attractive as a Terminator, but I mean, possible <laughs> offense, Mackenzie Davis. I don't know. I don't know what your deal is. You're not. You might be a great actor. I don't know what you're like in real life. If you're like this in real life, I mean, then I. You know what? I don't want to get on your bad side because I do believe you are not fully human, and I mean it as a compliment. Um, also, Mackenzie Davis, you should know this about yourself. Just let it be known. You might only be getting cast and stuff because you're model beautiful. Okay. There are other people that can act. Uh, it's it's possible. It's possible. Um, but do I do I want to write a movie in which Mackenzie Davis is secretly an alien? Yes, I do. So I'm not saying, you know, she's uncastable. I just think she's a certain type. I'm really leaning in. I am really leaning in. <laughs> I love it. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up the alien point because the movie that this movie made me think of was a 2013 ScarJo like horror movie called Under the Skin. <laughs> where ScarJo plays like a, a terrifying alien who wears Scarlett Johansson skin and seduces people and takes them into like a weird like metallic liquidy pool and like eats them or uh, like dissolves them and consumes their life force. (laughs) Ooh, I love it. And uh, that I got strong under her under the skin vibes from Mackenzie Davis. The movie ends with like Harper and Abby sitting in a movie theater and the lights go down. And I feel like Mm -hmm. Harper's eyes should have just glowed red. (laughs) Yeah, like like the thriller video. (laughs) And then cut to like a metal song over the end credits. And then we're all teed up for happiest season two where Case Do has to survive like her Terminator girlfriend. <gasps> yes. It feels yes. the whole movie, it felt a little bit kind of like that that movie that came out last year or the year before. Was it Ready or Not with Adrian Brody? Oh, yeah. Where, where she is like a newlywed and she gets brought home to her husband's parents or her husband's family on a remote island and they like hunt her for sport. That... <laughs> Very similar parallels to this movie. (laughs) Troubling that these are the comparisons we're making. I mean, she is beautiful. And like, if you didn't put, this is my thought experiment. If you didn't put Aubrey Plaza in the movie, or if Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart didn't have such obvious chemistry, I could maybe suspend disbelief and be like, I'm not sure Mackenzie Davis is a great actor, but this is fine. And this is like good holiday fluff. But when you put Aubrey Plaza in there in in her little blazer and you have her be like a sarcastic doctor, uh, it just it immediately <laughs> turns you against her. Totally. Aubrey Plaza can't even I, I'm just thinking of this right now. She can't have more than like even 15 lines in this movie. I mean, she's there, but she's also barely there and just makes the most of absolutely everything. Yeah, half of her lines are the lyrics to Must Be Santa. <laughs> so she's doing a lot with a little. <laughs> which, which, by the way, is not a song anybody knows, correct? At some point, my, my Jewish girlfriend turns to me. She's like, is this like a holiday song that people know? No, I'm like, I am completely 
unfamiliar with this Santa song? No. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely I don't not. know that shit at all. Okay. But like, Samantha, did you? I think it's like a common call and response thing, which like you get the you get the words from the main part. But yeah, still an obscure choice, but a fun one. And I thought Aubrey Plaza was doing some cool little like little moves while she was singing it. So well, adorable. Right? That makes sense as a call and response that they like, that's a very queer bar thing to do that you have to be quick enough to pick up on it even though you're drunk off your ass, you know, or embarrass yourself. But so Aubrey Plaza, I keep trying to convince Samantha to watch the uh, first season of Legion with me. But I think that this is very interesting to note. And again, no offense to Mackenzie Davis, because you may just be like an alien inhabiting a body that is incredibly tall and hot and experiencing the world, you know, but Aubrey Plaza, plays terrifying so well as Lenny in Legion that it's like that like I thought that that was her role you know forever and then she's like she's just like the hot hot other option with like less than 10 lines in this it's movie. about the range it's about the range <laughs> The She's range so good. is there. I also love her in Ingrid Goes West. Oh, I never watched that one. Me neither. Oh. But Sadie, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say Audrey Plaza has such a good like gaze. Like she really like looks at you and she has that gaze down that Mackenzie Davis doesn't really have like when Audrey Plaza is looking at Abby's character when she's Mackenzie looking Davis at Abby, is new to eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> that's the only explanation they don't perceive oh my god they don't perceive sight the same way where she's from but I'm sorry yes the gaze the gaze is everything that I mean that summed it up she like Audrey Plaza looks like she has had eyeballs for a thousand years and she knows how to use them. And Mackenzie Davis looks like it's yes. her first day using eyes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yes. This Sadie, you just explained to me why the scene that should have been the hottest in the whole movie where Mackenzie Davis sneaks down to hook oh. up with Kristen Stewart in the basement bedroom that has no lock. I felt like Mackenzie <laughs> Davis did the, you know, what, uh, okay, grab, straddle, yeah. look, kiss, on bed. And then can you can you picture anything that happened after that? Honestly, I can't. It really kind of went into the flash to the next day. However, if that had been an Aubrey Plaza, holy shit, the fanfic, like... I was just, exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, we would all still be writing fanfic about it right now. Um, Mackenzie Davis, like, pops out from behind this door, and you barely even notice, because I'm really going in. I didn't even know I was going to get to this point, but, like... <laughs> She's the same as the door. Like, Case 2 could have had a hotter sex scene with that door. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Mackenzie, Mackenzie Davis, Davis, we're sorry. You're new here. Like, we, you're very beautiful and we do respect you for that. But you need to learn a little bit about humanity, I think. I think so too. <laughs> I think, I so think pound for pound, Opry Plaza is probably the best actor in the movie, which makes it more frustrating that she's not one of the two leads. And that might I be mean, some slight case due shade. Um, yeah, coming she's a <laughs> Aubrey Plaza is great, but I felt like the whole family was pretty great. I mean, um, what's her name? Sloane is completely over the top, unfortunately. <laughs> she but like, crushed it. 
<laughs> yeah, but she was doing great. Jane was killing it. The mob was unreal. Um, uh, Mary Steenburgen is just like yes, a yes. legend, untouchable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were great. And Dan Levy, of course. Dan Levy is Dan Levy. Uh, Amazing. And, and killing it in that role. Guys, I'm about to bust something on us that just occurred to me, but I think really might be true. Kristen Stewart is our Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh my God. Oh no. Uh, what do you mean by that? Just the look and the vibe carries it all. And she's so good in what she's good at and therefore, you know, like when the look and the vibe, but I would not try to ask her to do a scene beyond very basic human emotion or you might get something really embarrassing like what we experienced when we watched Legend of the Fall recently. She's no mm. Nick Cage. <laughs> this is interesting. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she looks great with the bleached hair with the roots grown out like just swoosh like on, just let her just She's so walk hot. and just like squint at yes. people. Oh, is it uh, <laughs> is it too early to talk about the aggressively deconstructed shirt that she wears at the no. family <laughs> Christmas party? No, it is not. <laughs> Let's it, go. It's to a point where I'm not sure if shirt is even the right word for it. It's... <laughs> That's right. It's just like a, a flesh and a and a what is meant to be a loose tie. It's hard to know. <laughs> Because yeah. she is, she's so ready because, okay, so Harper has promised and promised and promised, obviously falsely, that Harper is going to come out to the family immediately after the holiday party. And K-Stew has been worn down. I mean, obviously looked super queer the whole time, but all there is left is this outfit. <laughs> I mean, she packed before she found out that she was going to have to be in the closet for five days. So that's true. All yeah. there is emotionally left is this outfit. <laughs> half a shirt and a dangly tie. Uh, Holy fuck. Like on the on I will say on my first watch, I was complaining left and right. And then on my second watch, I was complaining a little bit less because I already knew what was happening. And then on my third watch, which was by myself alone in my room, every like 10 minutes, I would just say, damn, she's so hot <laughs> regarding Kristen Stewart. And then that was the only <laughs> thing that was spoken in the room. <laughs> nice. I mean, I think I, I was also like complaining about this movie when I was watching it. There's plenty to pick apart. Um, and I mean, I do want to go deeper in on uh, how toxic Harper is. But I also was pleasantly surprised. I thought the funny parts were really funny. Like I was I don't yeah. usually laugh out loud at movies. And th some of it was just so great, like um, obviously funny. And then there was some like really silly subtle stuff like on their way into I'm trying to remember exactly how this went on their on Dan Levy and Kristen Stewart's on their way in to get the um, engagement ring for uh, Harper you just hear Dan Levy go and I think I made the right decision and then Kristen Stewart goes what is ultra suede it's just, it's almost <laughs> like thrown away um, just on their way into the jewelry store and it's like I love those little moments I think uh, parts of it were really really funny yeah I feel like if you just throw out the core relationship I like almost the rest of the movie not as like amazing transcendent cinema but is something that's better than 99% of like you know yeah, rom-coms made totally. in the 21st century well, I feel like and I, I'm trying to be conscious about how this movie feels outdated to me because I turn 
35 last month, you know, and very respected twice guest on this podcast, Abby Montiel wrote a fairly glowing review of it based on, you know, kind of like thinking about what to see this at 14 would be kind of transformative. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. 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 To, to see, see this ma- yeah, in your thirties is like, by God. Yeah. <laughs> Talk me through this, though. Like, I came out in the late 90s when I was, like, 18. I came out pre-Ellen. I always divide time into, like, pre- and post-Ellen <laughs> because it was a kind of a different a different Deanne, landscape. You get a fucking, like, in, in the queer, like, Girl Scout sash of life, I am going to award you a pre-Ellen badge. Oh, my God. Thank you so Because that much. is enormous. <laughs> Holy fuck. It is enormous. I mean, also, listen, this isn't about me. I also want you to know I've been gay married and gay divorced before 2008. So I am paving ways for everybody to do whatever we need to do. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, okay. I just want to talk through this because I am not sure. Okay. Seeing this at 14 in the late 90s, or maybe even up until 2010, I think would have been transformative. But talk me through this. Is seeing this as a 14-year-old in 2020 really that, is it that impactful? I feel like the culture, there's so much more gay stuff out there Mm. and so many more or like touchstones, but maybe 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 I'm out of touch. So help me out with this. I would. I think it would have been better as an Audie's movie, as like a 2007 yeah. movie. But movies were just too flagrantly <laughs> homophobic in the Audie's for like this to ever like mm-hmm. get any sort of budget or like momentum from a big studio. So yeah, I mean, look, like Dick Cheney's daughter is gay and like came out. Mm-hmm. I like. I I just kind of feel I agree with some of the sentiment of like this would be more representative and relatable of a certain kind of queer experience if it were came out 10 years ago or more. I I think I'm also maybe even um, willfully forgetting how little representation there is for lesbians in the media because I'm in you know I'm in my own little bubble in my life as I'm sure some of you are so mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm think I'm kind of ignorant about how little is out there yeah Sadie correct me if I'm wrong but I think this is the first major studio rom-com with gay with a gay love story at the center like there's been plenty of like indie stuff or like you know fox searchlight or like the little like minor studios but i think this is the first one that's just like here it's a rom-com it's packaged exactly like any other rom-com but it's gay yes i i mean i can't say 100 certain but in my experience it is and like for a gay romance with two men, we've had several of those rom-coms. We've had Love, Simon. We have a, we've had a few like ABC Family rom-coms. Um, a few holiday ones came out last year, I believe. Or they're definitely coming out this year on like Hallmark. And that's wonderful. Like I want to see so much more of that. But it means that we're really kind of lacking in Woolawa in the Wollowa department as well, you know, because we have, you know, quite a few really nice lesbian romances from like indie cinema that are wonderful, but we don't have that kind of, you know, elevated Hallmark rom-com that that I was craving. And in some ways, Happiest Season gave me, I think that it, it, I thought that it was very funny as Deanne mentioned. And I think that if, ah, and I also thought that Kristen Stewart was very, wonderful in the movie a little brad pitt-esque but who can blame her but yeah you know it was what? Just that's very of... appropriate at times and perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah 
but it was just missing okay. those core elements. This is a bigger deal than I think I was realizing it was. I think you're it's it's it, it's got to be the first like mainstream lesbian rom com. Oh yeah. So that's something. Yeah. So I just want to say I apologize Mackenzie Davis. Thank you for coming from your home planet in order to <laughs> film <laughs> film this movie. I second this. I mean, I have a question though which is like do we want lesbian cinema to get really good because to me part of the charm was like how like Indian sometimes terrible it was oh my god <laughs> but maybe that's just me being hipster about it i i would like lesbian cinema to get good well, yeah. samantha i mean samantha sat in a very excellent mexican restaurant and listened to me holler about how much i watched the l word while i continually refused to acknowledge that i was queer <laughs> <laughs> So, no, I think this movie is definitely hitting exactly where it needs to, and it is hitting the right people, and it is there. I am judging it from the perspective that I am sitting at right now, and... (laughs) It doesn't mean that I don't feel ancient and sad when I see like Harper Abbey fan cam like montage videos on social media where I'm like no 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 let's not like romanticize this as cute behavior this is not good behavior you're probably not going to end up with someone who comes out while dating you just like statistically and anecdotally yeah but then honestly like i think about anything that ever happened on the l word like at all and i'm like you know what this is great and healthy representation happiest season you know carry on I mean, okay. I I said I wanted to get into it. I think I I'm gonna go ahead and Let's take the go. reins and yes. lead the conversation. Um, Harper, there's there's hardly a scene in which Harper is not gaslighting and uh, just kind of exhibiting a whole bunch of red flag type of behavior. Like even initially, she invites Abby to come to Christmas with her family. Like high on the fact that they just like scaled this roof and like narrowly averted disaster getting caught by this woman you know on on the roof of her house or whatever so she you know she invites abby to come to her parents and then the next day abby's like making breakfast all excited about it hey i was thinking about i'm pretty excited to do this um oh by the way not just she invite her she like convinces her she's like i I just need you to love christmas and if you don't love christmas after being (laughs) like aggressively yeah Yeah, like i'm gonna push you into a wall and make you love christmas and if not (laughs) honestly that's kind of (laughs) hot when you say it like that <laughs> I'm gonna push yeah, you. Yeah, but the next wall. morning's behavior belies. Yes. Yes. And then Abby's like, so I'm excited to come. And then she's immediately like, you don't have to come. And then she's trying to convince her not to come. Then they're in the yeah. car. Um, you know, she tells her, oh, by the way, my parents don't know that I'm gay. They don't know we're in a relationship. They don't know you're gay. They just think you're coming with me because you're my orphan friend. Abby then again is like, Maybe I maybe I won't come then. And then she convinces her again to come. Like this completely kind of back and forth, push and pull. I think it's like it's beyond it's beyond what someone in a closet does or needs to do. Like I you know, it's cruel. I think there's, it's cruel. There there's so definitely reasons. Yeah. The cruelty that, is the point. <laughs> to quote yeah, the, cruelty the article the about oh Donald God. Trump. <laughs> the cruelty is the point. Abolish ice, abolish hot Harper. Um, and that's, ooh. that's it. Basically, it's just that, um, yeah, she, I understand in 2020 that there's legitimate reasons to be in the closet. And, you know, as Dan Levy's character says, everybody's on their own journey um, and no one can 
kind of be forced to come out before they're ready or, you know, it should be on your own terms. Even in 2020, the world is not perfect, obviously. Um, but the way that Harper acts is just so ugly. Yeah. And like, and leaving, yes. um, on the second watch, I noticed, you know, when she goes out with her friends, it's another thing. I thought she had already clocked, uh, had already seen Abby with Riley. And then so she was being shitty with her. But she didn't even know that Abby and Riley were hanging out yet. She convinced Abby that day. She's like, oh, after I go to this dinner on my own, because you're not invited anymore, because my family thinks you're a shoplifter. Um, <laughs> she was actually like, she goes, we should hang out after and like, we can hang out with my friends or not. I just think we need some time away from the family. You know, she invites her and even says they don't have to hang out with their friends. Then when Abby shows up, Harper's like, oh, I'm gonna keep hanging out with my friends. You can go home by yourself, right? Completely ignores, tells her to text when she gets home, completely ignores her texts. Um, and then the next day yes. is all like, I I didn't know I had a curfew. I think we need space. Like Fuck completely you. shitty. Yeah. And I'm not sure why I'm like digging in so hard. I think I just want any younger listeners to know this is a hundred percent not okay. This is bullshit behavior. Um, and it's not because she's no. in the closet. It's because she's a jerk. Deanne, thank you. Because yeah. I you said every fucking thing I wanted to say, but uh, like I was wanted to be like, you know, oh, for the younger listeners, but oh my God, like, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> and then not only let us point out, let us get into the details yes. of when uh, Abby gets picked up because she's wandering around by herself downtown because she's been fucking abandoned by her girlfriend and Riley takes her to an actual fun night at the queer bar and like they're having a good time and then Harper calls her away to where she gets forced straight up she's like no 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 I'm not I don't want to do a shot I'm not I would rather have a beer and they're like shot 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 and like force it down her throat like yeah. and then she's like oh my god I, first of all that is that is so harshly violent for many reasons but and also making her leave Riley then and then we're skipping over what Riley told Abby about how Harper behaved. That Harper Regina her in high school like the mean girls thing with Janice Ian right like that plot line was just lifted straight from that movie that like in high school Harper was like I just told the whole school that you're gay and that you're obsessed with me. Yes. Yes. And considering that, Riley is like so much the better choice, obviously, because she's still so kind to Harper. Like she seems to understand it at the end of the movie when Harper does it again to Abby. Mm -hmm. Riley kind of checks in with her a little bit and is like, you know, I don't know if she says, you're, are you okay? Or she does something, but she's still kind to this person that was completely awful to her. Yeah, that discovery felt like the moment in Get Out where he finds like the pictures of Allison Williams with all her previous boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was this movie's equivalent yes! of that. Oh my God. Okay, so here we are. Riley and Abby are connecting and Riley's like, wait, she told you about what happened with us, right? And Abby's like, oh, yeah, yeah. She said you were her first girlfriend in high school. And Riley's like, that's it. And like lays the truth on her. Then they have this beautiful moment, which is actually, if I am not mistaken, the only instance in the entire movie when anybody does something that is like 
uplifting and helpful to Abby when the drag queens come around with their singing the song and they stick the microphone in Abby's face and Riley's like oh I'm gonna come in here and help you sing this and like we can do this together like and now this is a positive experience yeah nobody (laughs) nobody else in the movie ever does anything good for Abby It's t- it's true. And then flash forward to them on the same side of the booth. Sexual tension. Oh, yes. I loved the then booth switch. Then Riley slides over. Ugh. And then fucking Harper comes in with the, oh, and she's like, oh, oh. I better close that now because Harper's calling me. And then she gets, oh, flash to horrible forcing shots down your throat, hetero bar. Shot, 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 shots. Oh, I have to stay here with my high school boyfriend for three hours. And yeah. then after Harper invited her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a way that we could have <laughs> fixed it? This is what I was thinking on the second rewatch. And one thing that I was thinking was, you know how there are those paintings over the open credits i wasn't paying attention to them on my first watch because i was just like okay let's like get to the gay stuff like let the gay stuff commence but on my second rewatch i was like oh they're showing me like a year of their relationship they're showing me like that they've connected and that they've done cute things and that they've like established this like life with each other and i feel like if they had spent even just like 10 minutes of the start of the movie showing that and then like yeah. um, dial down the sociopathy like even just yeah. a hair or two like I still could have gotten on board for Harper Abby and game just based on rom-com logic alone yeah. I think it's totally po- possible I think Harper needed to be a kinder character which wouldn't be hard but how much more interesting to see Harper's internal struggle with you know either internalized homophobia her family says enough bullshit that you kind of understand where she's coming from her mom's awful enough to her the minute she gets there she's like you look more beautiful every time i see you did you bring concealer like she's living in this horrific Mm -hmm. passive aggressive (laughs) world and it's kind of clear i could understand why she's afraid and i I, it could have been so much more interesting and even like the tension you know between harper wanting abby there but but um you know being unable to come out to her family that you know what you know what kind of shit i love this is just personally me i love a love love i love a scene where you know that these two people are in love right or that you know that this one character is absolutely in love with the other one and for whatever reason they just can't say it they can't own it it's like this perfectly heartbreaking thing where they either have to like tell them they don't love them to save them from something you know um i want i want to see some internal struggle i get that it's a rom-com but give me some of this juicy tension you know yeah sadie what say you could it have been redeemed oh i absolutely like as you guys said number one it like when you have a rom-com that centers around a couple that's already gotten together before the beginning of the movie they're fighting an uphill battle to make you give any kind of shit about them at all you know (laughs) and i don't think that they did nearly enough to make you care about what they're you know about whether they or not they were going to end up together and then also i i think it's fine to have a movie centered around coming out as the as the main thing i i think that we should move past it but it's not an egregious 
plot point, but that wasn't the main problem of the movie. It was just Harper's terrible communication skills and also the fact that she just doesn't seem like she is in, like, I don't know. You never really, you have her say that she loves Abby and that Abby is the love of her life, but you never see that really. She, She never shows it. And also, for me, the most egregious act that Harper did was um, outing Riley in high school. And the fact that she never makes any attempt to make it up to Riley or talk to Riley until like an offhanded comment at the very end where she's like, I'm sorry, after Riley comes up to her. Like, that's not enough, in my opinion. Like, you know, that was a that was terrible what you did to Riley. And that doesn't, you know, being like, I'm sorry, doesn't make you a good person. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. For me, it was frustrating because so we get two Harper speeches at the end. One is like near the top old Christmas tree when all the revelations are fresh and new. And she's like, I'm sorry, like, I love you. Like, please don't go. And Kristen Stewart and what I thought was her best bit of acting in the film was like I'm sorry it's just too late turning away from her as she says it because it's too painful and she goes and then Harper chases her down to the gas station I'm like okay we're gonna see a speech with some self-reflection we're gonna see a speech that acknowledges some some really deeply shitty and troubling behavior and instead it's just like I'm sorry but be with me be with me and it just and then bafflingly they cut to Dan Levy and he's like go for it girl and it's like no no dan levy's character would not say that dan levy's character would be like pointing at his watch being like what? i gotta hit the no. road right now yeah that was my exact if dan levy were any real friend what he would be doing the fucking throat slash thumb right there <laughs> like Okay, now's when we leave because that speech was not worthy. That there, oh, I have some God. quotes from that speech. Uh, here's yes. codependent red flags. At some at some point during that speech, she's like, "I only care about you, and if I have you, that's all I need." I'm like, "This is also not a good foundation. Very absolute, not good foundation, yeah. and also blatantly disproved." Like. Uh, recently yeah yeah, yeah. and then she's <laughs> not all she needs she also she's needs also the respect like, of her family and yeah. yeah at some point she goes you're my family and i'm like okay yeah you know what maybe she is your family because y- you and your family treat each other like shit can we talk mm. about the mm-hmm. physical <laughs> violence between these adult women jesus christ Oh my god! <clears throat> I didn't. I don't know. I didn't find it like slapstick and cute. I know it was supposed no, to be, but it I was, was just kind of like cute. Yes, thirty-year-old women fucking physically fighting and fucking destroying one's giant painting. The it, painting. The painting. Poor Jane. <laughs> the, painting. the painting. I was got such feelings <laughs> the about the painting. Oh. My girlfriend literally cried at that part. The part of the movie that made her cry was when Jane's beautiful painting got destroyed. I'm with your I girlfriend. Yeah. Everybody who destroyed that painting can fucking burn. I mean, I... <laughs> and, and also during that fight, there was a line where um, Sloane says, I think it's like, stay out of it, Sappho. Which... <laughs> Oh my god, best line, it's best line of the movie. Best line, but also wild that they had her say that. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of felt like, and I I think a lot of like streaming comedies have this problem, which is 
they like their characters too much, too much to make them truly monstrous because they want us all to just have a happy Christmas photo at the end. You know, like the example we get of the parents being homophobic is like them talking about how hard it must be on Riley's parents for Riley to be gay. And Mary Steenburgen has that line of like, oh yeah, with that lifestyle choice. And it's like, this is some like pretty soft homophobia, like as far as things you could have characters say and I don't need them to be shouting slurs the whole movie but it would be nice or more believable that Harper is facing this pressure to see them be like really homophobic in some stark ways. Honestly but what they ended up with was every almost every character being so fucking homophobic that we were like what the fuck when the happy ending happened. Like I was what the fuck? I was I was wanting it to be kind of the the opposite of what Samantha said. Like when I when I heard about the plot of the movie, I immediately it immediately popped into my head of like, oh, they're like not homophobic. They're, you know, they're just like chill, but they're just oblivious. And so it's kind of like this comedy of errors, you know, kind of misunderstanding type thing. So it was a little bit more intense than I had expected it to be. But then it nothing was resolved enough to make the happy ending super believable. Like they still said some like kind of homophobic stuff and they were kind of still terrible parents who held their love hostage um so is that gonna ever be resolved or are we just like glossing over that <laughs> you know yeah they're really they're really mean to jane as well like i can totally see how yes. good his family you would think you had to be quote perfect and you would get the idea that that meant like being heterosexual, getting married, having kids, having the perfect job. Um, when, when they're talking about Riley's family, at one point the dad does say, the mom calls it a lifestyle choice or whatever, and the dad does say something like, it's such a shame, um, which I clocked on the second watch because I'm like, where where are they, you know, where, where is she getting these ideas? And then they're so awful to Jane, whose only sin is what? Being like a real person? Kind of weird? Yeah. She's so like, not even that weird. Like, I am good with parents as Kristen Stewart claims here and and uh, Jane is not as weird as me so (laughs) I felt like with Jane I felt like there were moments in the movie where people were reacting to her in ways where like they wouldn't actually like when the person opens the painting that she did and was like what is this and it's like clearly a painting of Main Street of the town that you live in and she acts almost like disgusted by the painting yeah (laughs) like Fuck you for painting this absolute gorgeous rendition of our main street. Like, if oh I my god, how that, dare you exist? If I opened that painting at a white elephant, which in my family, white elephant gifts are always like shitty things that you don't want that you just find around your house. Yeah. So if I opened this beautiful, gigantic painting, I would like shit myself, like on the floor. I would, yeah. I would lose my mind. <laughs> Every white Sadie. elephant party I've ever gone to is just like, like as seen on TV products that were bought off the clearance rack yeah. at the pharmacy on your way to the party, you know, like. Not a painting that you put a hundred hours into. Uh, yeah. See, that was only, under, I'm, sorry, I'm just going back to Sadie's white elephant party just turning into a Jim Carrey movie suddenly when Sadie is like, <laughs> now I will shall shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's why 
Jane is clearly, I mean, if we, if we're not going to go the Riley route, I mean, in my opinion, Jane and, and Kristen Stewart could easily have so much chemistry. Jane is the only good person in this movie, save maybe Kristen Stewart, who we honestly really don't ever get to know enough about to know. Yeah. She's doing a PhD in art history at Carnegie Mellon, and uh, and she's really chummy with the dad in, in, in a, like, <laughs> a cool way that I wanted to be explored more. There's one moment where she walks in after like being accused of shoplifting and is like, Ted, look. And it's like, oh, wow, we're like, he's just your bro now, Ted. Like, you're just calling him, you're not calling him councilman or I guess like you do call. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. In his own home. Excuse me, councilman. <laughs> May I have a word? <laughs> I mean, Ry- Riley's also a good person. No, Riley is just always kind, understanding, helpful. That's true. Yeah, maybe Riley and Jane should. Um... So honestly, I really felt like the most unrealistic point of this movie was that Riley didn't have a girlfriend. So maybe that's the sequel. I mean, because maybe Riley got traumatically dumped right before this holiday, and it now could she's account ready for to find love anew. Riley yeah. definitely has an edge. There's there's a backstory there. Yeah. Something's going on beyond uh, constantly being asked <laughs> for medical advice. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, why wasn't Riley rolling in there? If if these people are like almost thirty years old, why isn't Riley rolling in there with the fucking most dazzling wife? You know that, why? Huh? Riley's having an affair with a married woman. I can see it. Mary Steenburgen, hopefully. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) A straight, a straight or, you know, ostensibly straight married woman. And (gasps) Sloan. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 I mean, there was a moment when Sloan's husband rolled out of that closet that it seemed like they had a very open understanding sort of thing. I thought that I thought they were a throuple for a minute. <laughs> Remember when she caught her husband yeah. in the closet, yeah. and yeah. then she I was like, were, so, oh, yeah. "I thought they were setting him up to be gay and not having mm. an affair." But yeah. both are equal sins in the eyes of the patriarch of this family, apparently. Totally. But I'm gonna pitch an other guy that not for Abby, but for Dan Levy. And I know moments ago I said that you know generally relationships where you're with someone as they come out like sometimes face (gasps) steep odds of success. But Dan Levy and Harper's ex-boyfriend could have a real interesting gay porn premise (laughs) romance. His name is Connor, Samantha. Yeah, I know we, this because yeah. I had to look it up uh, while I wrote my summary. I mean, they both they both pump iron. They both pump weights. So. <laughs> they, they pump something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I they like could, that idea. I believe pump very beautifully together. <laughs> we did not get enough of Dan Levy pretending to be straight with Connor. I could have, we could have drawn that scene out into some implausible scenarios that would have been very enjoyable. I love that too. I love Dan Levy's idea of like, what being straight is is just lowering his voice and being like bro <laughs> I don't I couldn't even do for the summary I have no idea what Dan Levy's character's name was supposed to be in this movie because it was just John. like oh here's Dan Levy in this movie yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> he was himself. He should have been the actor Dan Levy. Yeah. yeah. He should have played himself. He kind of always does, though, right? I yeah. Mean, that's his. That's his deal. He was. It was very uh, James Vanderbeek in the BN Apartment Twenty Thirty or whatever. But oh, uh, you know, rest in peace. <laughs> here is Dan Levy in Let Me Rescue Kristen Stewart from this terrible homophobic family. Let, I gotta ask you guys something because I have a little note here at the end um, when. Abby was getting in, you know, everything's been smoothed over and they're like, Abby, get in the family holiday photo or whatever. This to me was the most chilling moment of the movie because I've been in the situation where I was like, Abby, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, you know, you're not going to be there next year. Like at least have the grace, at least have the grace to get on the end of the photo so they can crop you out. And I didn't even know that I was carrying these memories, but I think I've had enough, maybe not a a lot, but I think I've had enough kind of family Christmases with girlfriends where I'm like, oh no, this isn't, I'm not going to be here next year. I don't want to get too close to these people. Um, Has that ever, has anything like that ever happened to you guys? It's just like, are you sure you don't want an alternate just in case? You know, that's how I've I've felt in past relationships where I'm like asked to be in family photos. I'm like, no, Uh, (laughs) sure, I'll be in one, but maybe I should take a few too. Like That's what I do too. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll stand in the end on this one. And just let me get like 10 of you guys just on your own. I do agree with Mary Steenbergen that no one should say Christmas while being photographed because it does not make your mouth go in a flattering shape. Sadie was sitting alone <laughs> watching this movie, whispering to herself, damn, she's so hot. And I was sitting alone saying the word Christmas over and over again and seeing what it did t- to my mouth. No, that's terrible. It makes you be doing like this like, I was I was dying at that scene because I I'm definitely the person that says like say Christmas and then whenever someone's like don't do that I'm like listen are we here to have fun or are we here to take a good photo because I'm here to have fun I (laughs) well Sadie tell them then that you're gonna because they want to have fun and take a good photo so no let them know (laughs) That you're there for a long, sibilant sounds and smile. <laughs> and then you're good, girl. That could work. Yeah. That's my practical advice for this podcast. I think this is, whoever did call this the get out of lesbian movies is correct. Um, I'm just looking at another note that I have here at the end of the movie where I just, I just wrote, and I don't even remember writing it. I just wrote, Abby has no parents. This is her life now. Like I feel that she's just with this family. Like I feel bad for her. It's almost like oh a my God. Stockholm, uh, Stockholm syndrome situation. Like, seeing the end of the movie where it's like and now we all hang out as a family and we go to movies and whatever I'm like no Abby it could be so much better than this it is midsummer like we should see Riley burning alive in a bear suit (laughs) (laughs) at the the end of the movie (laughs) and then and then Abby's just smiling as the family embraces her and lets her into their like bougie are they in Pennsylvania I know that Abby and Harper live in Pittsburgh, but I never got a clear vision of this town that would apparently have a mayoral race so consequential to attract like a major (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, the whole political plot line of it was 
an important narrative conceit, I guess, but also just like wild. I d- I'm not sure I know of any small town like this, but that's the hallmark moviness of it all, I guess, right? Like a vision yeah. of an American small town where there's still like a thriving local economy and like many young people still living there. But, and also, well, I was just going to ask, is he Republican? Because I feel like he has to be, but also he can't possibly be. (laughs) I was just torn the whole movie. He's like Republican in a 2006 way, right? That's where like the oddiness of it comes into play. Because the Republican hint was like he's giving the speech and he's like, we're built on faith, family, and tradition. Like, Mm. it's hard to get more telling conservative talking points than that. But if it were in 2020, he would be like, we believe in faith, family and tradition, and that Donald Trump is going to arrest Tom Hanks for being a pedophile. And the whole room would have like applauded and cheered. Yeah, it would be like, we believe in Jesus guns and the white race. And you'd be like, all right. (laughs) Um, So they had to they had to scale it back a few years for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they, sorry, I just, I did de- definitely just drop the phrase white race in there, which <laughs> brought us all down a little bit. No, Let me just acknowledge no, that. I'm, um, I'm, Deanne, you opened it up for me to say right here because I think that we are all white discussing this right now, but it was very uncomfortable that the reason that Sloan was like downed in her family, the oldest child, was that she married a black man and had children children with him and it was very heavily coded but never explicitly mentioned Ooh, and I, those- I didn't pick up on that yeah i thought the parents were like cool with them having an interracial marriage but they were like disappointed that yeah she had like gooped herself up instead of finishing her lot but did you notice that the only characters of color in the entire movie were the soon-to-be ex-husband and the children that she had with him. Yeah, mm. I, that, I definitely clocked that. I didn't pick up on the idea that that's why her parents were disappointed, but that that, that I haven't seen a lot of Hallmark movies that seem sadly in keeping probably with this type of tradition of a rom-com. No, it's like, th- th- it's like white. And then they're always like sprinkling in token characters that seem like they're consequential because it's like, oh, it's the sister's husband or it, but they're, they're also like really small roles usually. No. Yeah. Like I, I just feel like everyone needed to kind of have more character development, but especially, you know, Sloan's family. Like I needed to know, well, first of all, I needed to know what the kid's deal was because they were giving off some Energy. Why they're so <laughs> creepy? Yeah, yeah, I could not place yeah. what their deal was. Why they wanted to cause chaos? Like every day, it's like they woke up and chose violence and chaos. <laughs> like they were just yeah. like, <laughs> like, I'm going to frame this person for shoplifting, and then I'm going to make everyone think that I've I've gone missing, and I'm going to break into people's rooms. So I just wanted to know, and we get maybe like three lines from Sloane's husband. So I just feel like if you're going to introduce a family, you should kind of flesh them out a little bit. Yeah, I felt like Sloane's husband got about as many lines as like one of Harper's old high school friends at the holiday party. And yes, that that was disappointing (laughs) to me. We got introduced to Sloane's husband as being the huge disappointment of why we all hate Sloane now because she destroyed her potential 
to marry him. And then she made like an entirely super successful business with him and has these adorable children and like everything is seemingly super great. But then like, oh my God, I'm about to bust my sister out for being super gay because I saw her kissing a woman. Oh no, the closet was rattling. I opened the closet. Oh no, there's my <laughs> husband in there making out with another woman. Oh. Jen, did you just become Cartman from <laughs> I remembered what I was going to ask. I, uh, speaking, speaking of the tropiness, my sister asked, and I wanted to get your you all's feedback on it. How did we feel about this rom-com still having the gay best friend, but just having a lesbian lead character? I don't know. It felt true to life to me in that way. Like, yeah. Um, someone that's out has gay friends you know <laughs> it was just funny that like it subverts so many other things and then you just still have like the gay guy who does nothing but like what Rupert Everett did in my best friend's wedding which is like yeah. cross incredible spans of distance and spend exorbitant amounts of time like bailing out a friend from a situation where like she could have checked into a local hotel let's be honest like yeah, she could have gone downtown or she could have just spent the thousand dollar and then venmoed her fucking shitty ass girlfriend for it <laughs> whose parents re- can clearly pay request her for a thousand bucks <laughs> take the car they live together they've been living together for a while like just get in the car yeah and go. yeah i can i just i feel like abby just the movie would have been so much better if Abby had just like stood up for herself a little bit more. Like there are so many parts where I'd have been like, steal the car, steal the car, like take the car, like take it back. You know, like that's what I would have done. There are so many parts where I'd, I would have blown up. And I don't think that that makes me an irrational or unsupportive partner. That just makes me a normal human person. <laughs> I needed to see more bite. The most deflating part for me was Dan Levy gives her the speech about like, look, it's probably hard for her to come out. And and Abby is like, I understand, but I want to be with someone who's like done that, you know? And it was like, ah, finally, we've hit the realization. And then Harper just rolls up to the Love's travel stop and is like, uh, maybe let's try again. And and then Abby is like, yes, of course, I love you. Let's get married. And it's like, yeah. no, you just learned like to define what you want out of a relationship. And then you got pulled right back into the Terminator vortex. That was what was, <sighs> was disappointing to me was how cliched the exact line lines were there and that would turn up at any movie like if this was like p valley that's what the cheating husband would say right before he cheats and then he does something super shady and then he ends up dead you know is exactly what harper said right there <sighs> like the exact but you know what i don't want to knock on 14 year olds who are seeing this so enjoy yeah. yourself babies godspeed i wish tumblr were still around in a meaningful sense for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> also just know these two will not be together in another year from now like no. after the movie ends like okay happy ish ending but this isn't this isn't gonna last kids yeah engagement are you fucking kidding this the this family is awful they don't get to say they love each other once and everything's jolly like no run the fuck so far away just better better is out there trot along yeah well shall we rate Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> when she was already writing, I was like, make Deanne say more. <laughs> <laughs> Deanne, any other notes? Um, okay, one other note is just that I might be heightist, but I think part of the reason there was so little chemistry between Abby and Harper was their height difference. It was too great. <laughs> Oh, I think some people find it hot how Mackenzie Davis is tall. I'm I am five ten, so yeah, I I am biased towards the tall girls. I mean, I said I I, I have a note that says the height difference is too great for that lack of chemistry. Like like <laughs> no, I it, they, they had to they had to cross the gulf of a lack of chemistry and then the gulf of like another. 12 inches yeah. of height, and it was just too great. You could write that out as a mathematical equation somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, because I love height differences, but I was so mad. We watched some fucking movie about uh, Ben Stiller being a rabbi and Jenna Elfman hey, being. You watch I yourself. Mean, way that taller was a than good him. movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was hot as hell watching her stoop to make out with him so how the fuck was it hard to look excited to make out with Kristen Stewart yeah the chemistry <laughs> wasn't there enough to the point where like when Harper ambushes her in that scene that we mentioned like like hiding behind the door I was like legitimately scared for a moment yeah <laughs> like, it's yeah. jarring like it's jarring <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> well, I will give happiest season three and a half flushed fish from an aquarium out of five. Mm. Pleasant enough, important for representation reasons, and just has a vexing central relationship that I don't like, but that has made for a lot of fun internet discussion, including the 90 delightful minutes that we have spent with Deanne. And that's my rating. I- I'm going to jump in. I I genuinely enjoyed watching this once and I halfway enjoyed watching it twice. I'm going to give it two ratings. I'm going to give the movie overall three out of five Thorfians. Um, <laughs> and I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm just going to give Aubrey Plaza five out of five spiced alcohols. Yes. Gross. Let me taste it. Ugh, the best. <laughs> sexy. That's a sexy line. Okay, go ahead, Jen. Jesus, Sadie, I have to go before you now. I was like (laughs) rolling back in my little chair, feeling comfortable that Sadie would go first. Now we have to think up what the hell I'm going to. Well, I can I can go. I can go next and give you a chance to to me. Oh, oh, I mean, I can go. I can go now. Go, go, Jen, go. Let's have this part of the podcast be 20 minutes long. (laughs) I can go three, having to sing the part of the Christmas song suddenly at the queer bar that you're absolutely not prepared for, but then some hot local woman in a pantsuit comes through and takes it over for you uh, out of five. That is... Very reasonable rating system. Beautiful. <laughs> Sadie, take a sum. Well, I, I'm going to give it three and a half shoplifted necklaces out of five. Nice. Because I enjoyed the movie and I think that for what it was, it was, it was, it had some quite funny moments. I had some problems with the main character 
main character choices and the characterization, some of the acting, but I mean, it's a, it's a rom-com, you know, toxic characters and iffy plot points are just, they go hand in hand with rom-coms. So I, I liked it. I might watch it again next year, but yeah, overall pretty good. Could have been better, but yeah. You, you know what? I, I feel like I need to amend my rating to be more accurate of how I really feel about it. I give this 4.5 comms, 4.5 out of 5 comms, and like 2 out of 5 roms. Oh. That's how I feel. Oh. The, the, com, the com was relatively strong. It was the rom where they let us down, I think. I, I think you've just invented a, a rating system that we're going to steal. We <laughs> shall revisit oh, this. Happily. It is happily yours. <laughs> well, Deanne, where can people find you and what you do and 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 enjoy your comedic stylings? Yes, good luck to you all. I um I always want an audience and then I'm like weirdly shy about it. Um, but Google, I'm the most successful Deanne Smith there is. And uh, everywhere on online, I'm, I think I'm Deanne underscore Smith. Listen, you could go to you could go to my website. Have I updated it in the last two years? I have not. Um, so just look around for Deanne Smith. And um, and if, if you were so inclined, I'd love to see you on my December show, Deanne Smith and Acquaintances. Tickets are by donation. And then a portion of the money we get is then donated again. So you can feel good about yourself. Um, and that's on December 17th. And thank you again so much for, for joining us. It was this was just perfect. a real pleasure to have you. Yes. Thank you so much, you guys. You've got a winning formula for a podcast here. I love it. Great party. Yeah. You okay? I'm so sorry. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. She's a really good one.